I'm Colleen, and this podcast is an inside look at recovery, which I define as a lifelong journey to get out of your own way and become your own best friend. Join me for mindset upgrades that move you from worry and regret to resilience and confidence. I'll share easy strategies for how to feel better without having to make major changes. Because it's not what you do, it's who you are. Self-care is the path to recovery because our needs are not negotiable. When I look back on the last few years of my drinking, I realize I was truly afraid to quit. And it really wasn't that I was afraid to be called an alcoholic. I mean, obviously, I didn't want that. But I had this underlying sense that it wasn't about the alcohol. And now that I've been doing what I do for a few years, I hear myself say all the time, it's not about the alcohol. And so I'm just kind of putting these two things together, you know, especially when I talk to women who are thinking about quitting drinking, I've kind of tended to talk about why that might be and frame it as because we don't want to be labeled as alcoholics, we're afraid we're never going to be able to drink again, you know, and those fears are legitimate, but let's be honest, it's not really about that. What it's about is... For me, I was afraid that if I quit drinking, I would have to face the fact that I was using alcohol to distract myself. I was distracting myself from the fact that I was unhappy in my marriage and I was bored with friendships that had run their course. I was unsatisfied with my career. You know, I raised four children and three stepchildren And all of a sudden, nobody needed me anymore. So after 25 years of getting up every morning and being the last on the list to the point where, you know, the best I could do was give myself some wine at night. After 25 years of that sort of existence, I didn't know how to be. I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know how to be alone. I was... I was afraid to quit drinking because I was afraid of what I was going to do. And I had no idea what I even wanted or what I really needed. And so now that I'm seeing the so many women coming through, I realized that's a universal experience. That wasn't just me. And we're truly afraid of sobriety because we're realizing that sobriety doesn't solve the problem because sobriety, alcohol isn't the problem, so sobriety isn't the solution. And the way our culture is set up, most of us get funneled right from being a professional drinker who's, you know, I guess not not meeting standards anymore. We get funneled right into a recovery program where all the focus is on sobriety. You know, you can never drink again. And what I realized early on, without really realizing all of this, but I realized early on that sobriety itself was just another distraction. Sobriety itself and all this focus on alcohol and how to not drink and how to deal with your triggers and how to relanguage your relationship with alcohol and how to feel good about being an alcoholic. I mean, all of that stuff just gave you something else to 
to do so that you're not thinking about the real issues in your life and what the shortest distance is between here and happiness. And for sure, it does feel good to get to quit drinking. That's the best thing I've ever done for myself. And it gave me the bandwidth and the brain power to be able to begin to untangle some of these other fears. But you know, I think that sobriety as a culture, it you're just replacing one set of limiting beliefs for another. You know, and I felt very childish about having to define myself as either a drinker or a non-drinker. I mean, I don't define myself as, well, I have defined myself as a non-meat eater, uh, proudly being a vegan for many years. But I didn't think that not drinking should put me in this separate category of people. And that's just kind of what we do. You know, we've got normal drinkers and we've got alcoholics and the world is made up of two kinds of people. Well, there's all the ways you can split the world. I prefer to split it into assholes and, you know, open-minded good people. But anyway, I just now am realizing that it truly wasn't about the alcohol and we can absolutely let that go. The solution isn't sobriety. So sobriety is a form of self-care and it's just as important as a good night's sleep. However, the solution to the fears that we're having is learning how to extract information from our emotions. We are raised from the time we are small to suppress our emotions, to ignore our emotions. Our emotions are not sexy. If you lose control of your emotions, then you know you are looked down upon in this society. And when I say extract information from your emotions and learn how to, how to really lean into your emotions, I do not mean giving them control over you. One of my favorite things to say is if you don't learn how to manage your emotions, they are managing you. I don't care how stoic your facial expression is. Your emotions are managing you if you don't even know what I'm talking about in terms of what it means to manage your emotions. Emotions are the felt sense of thought. You don't feel unless you're thinking. And the thing is, we've got 60,000 thoughts in there a day. Um, and we can't possibly think or focus on every single thing we're thinking. And that's where the subconscious comes into play. So we've got all these feelings that we don't know how to make sense of. And we try to manage our behavior and just suppress the emotions and run away from the emotions or drink through them or try to eat them because we, we are, we're afraid of what we feel. And one of the the best questions I was ever asked for by a coach was, what would happen if you weren't afraid to feel anything? And what I learned from that coach was that our biggest fear is our own damn feelings. You know, I have been through so much in my life, including a bankruptcy and a foreclosure and you know, family issues. I have been through divorce. I have been through social castration per said divorce. I have, I have experienced so many things in my life. And when I look back on all of those experiences leading up to them, as they say, the fear is far worse than the actual problem. We fear 
both going going into a situation, but we also fear our own reaction. And if you are telling yourself in response to that, that, well, no, I fear other people's reaction. You know, I don't want other people to get mad at me. Uh -uh -uh. That's your reaction to what you think other people are thinking and your inability to tolerate the discomfort of your inside voice telling you that somebody isn't happy with you or somebody doesn't accept you. So truthfully, it's our own reaction, because if you truly had no fucks to give about what other people think, then that would not be a problem if somebody was mad at you. And we all say we don't care what other people think, because that's kind of like a status symbol right up there with, I only got three hours of sleep last night and I'm killing it. Like, I don't know why we all have to pretend that we don't care what other people think, because as humans, we are hardwired to be tribal. We are hardwired to compare ourselves and to one up and to establish safety in numbers. Like all of this is, is what we do. Normal is just what you see every day. Whatever you think is right or wrong or good or bad is just a reflection of the opinions of the people around you. One of my new favorite lines uh, that I'm still waiting for an opportunity to use with my husband is, other people's opinions aren't facts. So just because somebody said that doesn't make it true. And so the solution to learning how to manage our mind is realizing that 99.99999% of what we're experiencing is a product of our imagination. It's the story that we're telling ourselves. It's the assumptions that we're making. It's the beliefs that we've been carrying with our childhood. It's what we're making things mean in our heads. And awareness is the skill of being able to distinguish between what's real in the outside world and what is actually just happening in your mind. And the other thing that catches us all up is that if other people agree with what's going on in our mind, then we for sure think it's real, but it's not. You, just because everybody thinks the earth's flat doesn't make it, it mean it is. And people used to think that the earth or the sun revolved around the earth and for sure that wasn't true. So lots of people can think the same thing at once and it doesn't make it true. So the real skill is realizing that the feelings you're having inside are the product of your, um, of your thoughts and that none of your thoughts are true. There is no good or bad or right or wrong. Those are just opinions. And of course, we all live by a moral code, but the, the true ninja superpower move is to realize that you have a choice as far as what you think is right and what you think is wrong. And so much of our anxiety is because we were raised a certain way or our culture believes a certain thing and we want to go off track. But because we think that we are, quote, off track, when in reality, look down, there is no track, we think that we are not safe and by, by the way that we're thinking, or we think that we're going to be rejected, or we think that what we're doing is wrong, or we think that what we're doing is right because other people are wrong, either way, doesn't matter. When you realize that there is no right or wrong, there is just the neutral circumstance that your dog can understand and experience, and everything beyond that is a story. That is the power, that is the inroad to free will of not being managed by your emotions. And 
whenever there's a situation where you are uncomfortable, realizing that you can tolerate that discomfort. And instead of pushing down your emotions so that they move into your, the thoughts that cause them move into your subconscious, bringing your emotions, bringing your feelings up into your consciousness so that you can see them like puzzle pieces and lay them out on the table and then make a decision which way you want to go. What's going to be right in this situation? And there is no right decision. There's just the decision that you make right. And realizing that anxiety and depression and boredom and loneliness, the, the stories that you have that accompany those feelings, those are feelings. They're not facts. And so when you realize that it's not what you feel in any given moment, but it's how you respond to that feeling. And it's the language that you use inside your brain. It's the internal dialogue of, of okay, this is what I'm feeling. And instead of projecting, let's say, disappointment onto somebody out there because they didn't meet your needs, just saying the words, I feel disappointed in myself because I didn't handle that right or I didn't call bullshit on that. And instead of being mad at the other person, taking full responsibility for the emotion coming up is really because you didn't act in response to a circumstance, how you wish or what you think is right for you, that, that that's, that's all it is. And so I want to take this opportunity to tell you that I am offering free discovery calls for my 12-week program, which is called The Next Chapter. And I think that the reason I'm recording this podcast is I think many people, and because I've put it out there, that my mission, my target audience is to attract people and to help them quit drinking. And I do include in The Next Chapter program all of the resources that someone needs to quit drinking. I have my 10 days to spontaneous sobriety course. I have my five five hour change your mind masterclass. I have so many, I have hundreds of hours of other mini lectures and webinars and things that I've done over the years that you have access to. But my program isn't about sobriety. Sobriety is just a form of self-care. You're going to hear me talk just as much, if not more, about sleep and nutrition. What I do in my program is I take you over a period of 12 weeks on a journey. You start as at point A and we move to point B. And I give you the skills to learn how to manage your mind so that instead of being a person who is you know, making shame-based decisions and trying to shame yourself into good behavior. And then often finding that if you achieve the good behavior and you feel good, well, the shame goes away and so does the good behavior. Like what a a cul-de-sac of what the fuck with that. You know, so I take people who are operating on shame-based and then end up stuck in a cycle of self-defeat or people who are stuck in black and white thinking because they think that everything is right or wrong or good or bad or success or failure and learning how to manage your mind around those things by eliminating the filters of 
judgment and just evaluating a situation as it is so that you can choose how you respond to it instead of getting caught up in your head. So people who are, you know, black or white, all or nothing, um, thinking everything is a big moral issue. Um, And then also people who think that, especially as women, if you're used to achieving goals via self-deprivation, you know, as, as girl, especially for girls, we are taught that if overindulgence is a sin and self-deprivation, that means that you're a rock star. That's why I know for me as a child, my biggest goal in life was to be an anorexic. And I'm not kidding you on that. And I, I uh, was very ashamed of the fact that I was bulimic, not because I had an eating disorder, but because I considered that a failure. And so the thing is, is we go into sobriety thinking that we're taking something away from ourselves when the answer is to start giving ourselves what we need. But if you're like I was when I was still drinking, I had no idea what I needed. You know, I did need to quit drinking for a while so that I could clear my brain. But then I had to get into learning how to process my inner dialogue to stop beating myself up. And there's one way to stop beating yourself up. There's one way to silence your inner bully. And that's to start being or or recruit yourself an inner cheerleader. And this is something you can train your brain to do. What I have found as one of the most powerful um, coping skills or tools in my toolbox is ever since I started making it a habit to keep a mental checklist at all times, but especially when I'm screwing stuff up, keeping a mental checklist of what I'm doing right instead of what I'm doing wrong. Because what happens? You know, let's say you are not drinking or you are um, trying to give up sugar or you're trying to not be a hot mess over emotional reactor overthinker. Okay. And so you're setting goals along these things. Well, what happens when you fall off the wagon and you're using shame-based thinking? You end up being like, well, there's proof that I can't do this and I'm never going to do that. And so it's all or nothing, black or white. And you just think, screw it. It doesn't matter what I do because I'm never going to get it right. So I might as well not try. And that's the cycle of depriving yourself and failing to meet the goal or meeting the goal and then not having the shame anymore to motivate you. And you can step outside of that cycle. And that's what I do in the 12 week program. I teach you how to start being aware of your inner dialogue. I teach you how to start practices, training your brain, because your brain's like a puppy. It'll do whatever you reward it to do, whatever you reinforce. But training your brain to start noticing positive things. And in the doing of that, you create a relationship with yourself. And sobriety, um, for me, I went into sobriety with no connection with myself. I had no idea who I was. I hated myself because I was weak and pathetic and negative and, you know, I, I annoyed myself, you know. I had to live inside my head with myself and that's why I needed to drink because I was so annoyed. When you flip the script from everything you're doing wrong and start focusing on what you're doing right, that is when you make friends with yourself. This whole elusive um, 
this elusive thought of of self-care. What is self-care? You know, I used to think self-care was um, running and doing my hair and makeup and making sure my house looked nice and my sheets were clean and everybody around me could look at me and be like, yep, she for sure takes good care of herself. And, and to me, that's what self-care was. And so the thought of doing more self-care, you know, and when you go into sobriety, if you've done that at all, people like the answer to, you know, this is self-care. And you're like, what more do you want from me? Like, I'm already doing all of the things. What more am I supposed to do to take care of myself? Well, it's not what you do. True self-care is just paying attention to yourself. And when you relanguage your inside voice to start noticing what you're doing right, turns out you're a person and you appreciate being noticed and validated. And there is nothing more motivating than being noticed and validated. You think about it. Think about dealing with your children or dealing with employees or dealing with anybody. The more you reward them for their good behavior, the more they perform. And the more you tell them how stupid they are and that you didn't think that they could do it anyway, the more they crawl into their hole and just say, fuck it. You know, motivation is fueled by evidence of progress. And it really kind of just boils down to that. So in my 12-week program, I take you through all of these little things and all of these little habits so that you can learn how to manage your mind. Become aware of your inside voice because it's your inside voice that's creating your emotions, not the outside world. And you can train your mind, and I know this because I've done it. Like, I shock myself all the time with how positive I am. Like, I have to rein in my positivity around other people because it can be annoying. Um, And I, you know, nobody likes a silver lining, you know, screwing up their cloudy, dark day. But it is so amazing that I have a different relationship with myself. Other tools that I introduce are like how to use micro actions to get yourself to do things. For example, you know, when I did quit drinking and I was really available to show up authentically, I had to start with zero motivation and build where I was a person who ran marathons after drinking two bottles of wine and, you know, cooked dinner for 87 people every day and volunteered and ran, ran, ran. I basically burned out my nervous system. And so I, in early sobriety, kind of was just like, fuck it. Like, I played chicken with my fear, you know? Like, what's the worst that can happen? I'm going to be a, la- a fat, lazy, drunk shrew? Well, turns out I already am, so let's let's do this. And what I found was I was able to rebuild my emotion, my motivation, excuse me, with micro actions. So, for example, I didn't want to work out anymore. And so when I was ready to go from zero to level one, All I did was say, all right, that's fine. Just go lay on your yoga mat for 10 minutes and freaking lay there. That's your workout for the day. And then the more I did stuff and the more I congratulated myself and validated myself and noticed myself and then also noticed how it felt in my body to actually go to my yoga mat, you know, doing the hard thing up front instead of where I used to instant gratification and then pay the bills on the back end. Now I'm more, much more willing to lean into something uncomfortable because I set the bar so low. Like my workout is to go lay on my yoga mat. Yeah. That's it, darling. And then you get a gold star and a sticker and a pat on the back and a good job for working out. So 
what I do in the 12 week program is I work with a small group of women, 10 to 12, um, and you do have to come every week. And we go over these these skills of learning how to manage your mind. And then I provide coaching in a group setting so that you can hear you're not alone. And also I we do a lot of interactive activities so that you actually can make some friends because if you are coming into this program because you've quit drinking, you know, you don't have to get a divorce and, and get rid of all your friends, but tribes are really important. It's very important to have people in a safe space to talk about what you're experiencing and what you're noticing and what you're willing to try and what didn't go well and what you're going to do next. And so my group is basically a place to make friends with people who are also doing this and also committed to showing up. And that's why I say my program is a commitment. It's 12 weeks. And of course, it's not like you can't miss, but regular attendance is expected because you're going on a journey. And each week we're just, I'm just going to peel the onion, if you will, and go through the skills from inner dialogue to regulating your nervous system to actual self-care practices that actually move you forward. And so I am doing this podcast to let you know that if you're interested in my program, I'm putting a link in the show notes. And that link, you can't sign up for the program without doing a discovery call with me. And that's basically just a 30-minute interview where you interview me and I interview you to make sure you're a good fit and that your goals are in alignment with what I'm doing so that you don't get in and, you know, a couple weeks in and decide, you know, it's not a good fit. Um, I want to eliminate eliminate that as much as possible. So you can make a an appointment with me. So if you go to my program page on the next chapter, it'll walk you through all of the topics and all of the resources and all of the processes that I introduce. But then you you can't just sign up. You have to um, schedule with me on a call. And the current session that I'm going to be opening um, is Monday nights at 6 p.m. Eastern. But I encourage you, if that time doesn't work for you, to still make the discovery call, make that connection with me to see if you're interested in working. Because as soon as one section fills up, as soon as I have a full um, section on Monday nights, I will open another section or even two. Um, I could run three or four of these a week. And so my goal is to have, you know, one in the evenings, maybe one in the mornings, maybe one around lunchtime. So if you're interested in the next chapter, the 12-week program, check out my program page, book a discovery call with me, and then um, we'll I'll keep you posted as new sections open if the Monday at 6 doesn't work. But anyway, do it anyway, because I love getting to chat with people um, who are listening to my podcast and who are following me because I'm truly interested in figuring out how to best serve you. I absolutely love coaching. And um, this next chapter program really has come about because I've realized I'm not helping people quit drinking. I'm helping people overcome their fear of what's next. You know, what's next when you quit drinking? So uh, click the link in the show notes if you're interested. Uh, Send me an email. I'll put my email in there too if you have any other questions or want to contact me for any other reason. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, please take the time to rate and review the show so that other people can find it. I really appreciate it. 
And check out the show notes for any resources I've mentioned, including links to follow me on Instagram and join my private Facebook group where I connect with my tribe every day. I love it in there and we have so much fun. And finally, if you're ready to redefine sobriety so that you can feel excited about quitting drinking, follow the link to my 10 days to spontaneous sobriety course where I will help you eliminate, eradicate, obliterate, cancel your desire to drink because looking and feeling your best is addictive too. I'll see you soon.